1: This is Alvin Williams, one half of the Affirmative Murder Duo, and you're listening to the Murderly True Crime Network, podcasts to die for. Murder, the unlawful premeditated killing of one human being by another, a short, simple definition of a word that we're all familiar with. For most of us, murder is just that, a word or definition that has no impact on our lives. But to some people... Murder is much more than that, it's real, it's personal because they've lost a loved one to murder, and I want to share their stories with you. My name is Mike Morford and some of you may know me as co-host of the True Crime Podcast Criminology. I'd like to invite you to check out my new podcast, The Murder in My Family. In each episode, I'll recount a single murder case and talk one-on-one with the family members of these victims to see how these tragic crimes changed their lives and where their search for justice has taken them since. Starting in July of 2018, you can find and subscribe to The Murder in My Family on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope you'll join me for The Murder in My Family.
2: Hey everyone, this is Jen, and this is
3: Lindsay, and this is Corpus Delicti. Yay, we're here to bring you another episode of the Bars and Stripes series on jailbreaks.
2: Your yay didn't sound too excited. No, it didn't. (laughs) It didn't. You're like, yay, Yay." I'm here. (laughs) You should be excited. Yay! Okay, you're kind of scary. (laughs) Anyway, guys, we are super excited to bring to you episode two of our Bars and Stripes series, where we get to cut up a little bit more than we normally do and talk about idiots who tried to break out of jail in the stupidest ways. We're talking from spoons to TVs that were pretending to be bombs to eating American cheese and drinking box wine. You bet. This is the stuff dreams are made of. So... (laughs)
3: This is the American dream. American dream right here, folks. So let's go ahead and kick off tonight's story, which is the story of Jay Sigler. Who is Jay Sigler? Are you asking or are you? I
2: am. I'm asking, like, who is Jay Sigler? Oh, I was like, did you read it? That was an intro. I
3: was like, dude, it's on the outline. (laughs) I was
2: like. We're going to talk to you about Jay Sigler. He is a 31-year-old man. He is in prison for armed robbery. He is serving his eighth year in a 20-year sentence. So he has a huge stretch in front of him. And he is not looking to spend the rest of his 12 years in jail.
3: So Jay Sigler
2: had robbed two Australian
3: tourists in 1990 with his friend Christopher Michelson. And it was two female tourists whose car had been towed. And they see these two women kind of standing on the street, obviously trying to make phone calls and looking for a ride. And so they stop and they say, hey, we'll give you a ride. The women hop in the car. And once inside the car, the men locked the doors behind them and robbed the women. He received
2: a longer sentence due to a violent past, so he has had a history. In 1986, he had served 3.5 years for grand theft and robbery. In 1989, he was released, but he did more time for a drug charge. He cannot stay out of the system. He is a career criminal that's not very good at what he does.
3: Now, Jay and Chris were in the Everglades Prison in Florida. It's about 20 miles from Miami. It was built in 95 at a cost of $35.3 million. And much like our last story, it was considered state-of-the-art, high-tech electronics. It was purposely designed with breakouts in mind, and they had looked at other prison escapes and studied them to try to find where the pitfalls were and try to kind of nip it on the front end so that they didn't have to deal with that. Now, this Everglades prison also housed approximately
2: 1,500 prisoners. He was depressed in prison, as are most prisoners. You would be, too, if you were serving, you know, 45 years to life. And especially since Michelson had been released earlier in the month, so the guy that he did the crime with, is already out and about. He would have already been out and about too if he hadn't had all that stuff in the past. Right. Now, let's cut to 1998. On a Saturday afternoon in April, Sigler was in the wreck yard. Now, there was a loud sound approaching, but the walls and fences surrounding them, nobody knew it was coming. So just imagine this large wall and all you hear is this noise and you don't know what it is. At 2:30 p.m., the prison's gates, and wired fences were being torn down. You are just walking around and all of a sudden you see the wall in front of you start crumbling. The wall of a prison. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. It's What the heck in the world is going on? Well, guess what? A tractor trailer comes plowing through and it blew through a total of four fences and gates. A tractor trailer trailer so
3: this is a big 18-wheeler like the ones on the highway just comes busting
2: on in so mere moments later a man jumped out of the truck and began firing at correction officers he fired straight at one officer who fired several rounds back very courageous now two prison
3: guards were injured through this now luckily both of them survived while this is all happening Jay Sigler jumps into a car that was following right behind this big 18-wheeler. He jumps in, followed by John Beeston. This was the man who was driving the truck through the prison wall. And the driver of the car speeds off. Now, at this point, I can only imagine that Jay Sigler just looks up and says, Hey, thanks, Mom, because it was his mother driving the getaway car so
2: and you know what that is mother
3: love that is motherly love but you know what i'm gonna say if i ever had to bust my kids out of prison i ain't doing it this way because they take too damn long to get in the car (laughs) we fight every day i'm like just get in the car (laughs) he gets in and she's like now buckle up honey like (laughs) now keep in mind this happened in florida because all crazy things do, but is this not the most, like, picturesque southern thing ever? I just picture this guy in, like, a mullet busting, like, an 18-wheeler through a wall. Meanwhile, Mom's behind him. Like, I can just picture her with, like, a cigarette and a Coors Light, you know? Just,
2: like, <gasps> I was about to say, I was like, I bet the cooler was strapped down in the back. <laughs> like, I just, this, this is a hot mess. Yeah, he just hops in and says, hey, Mom, and she should be like, <laughs> grab you a cold one, then back. <laughs> Bless. Yeah, while this was happening, Jay jumps in the car following and says, hi, Mom. The trio sped down the road, arriving at a shopping center where they switched cars and Christopher Michelson, who was waiting for them there. They all jumped into Michelson's car. They drove further on down the road and made yet one more switch to a yet another car where the accomplice, Kelly Michelson, was actually waiting for them. So let's count the the car switches. You have the 18-wheeler. He gets into Mama's car. Mama's car drives down the street, stops and picks up Christopher Michelson, switches cars then. All of them go to Mrs. Michelson. They get into her car. So we have now four car swaps. And four people who are
3: in on this plot to break this man out of prison. Now, Sigler and Michelson jumped into the black Saturn, which belonged to Sandra Sigler. Now, Sandra Sigler is the mother and that is the car that Kelly had waiting at this second shopping center and they took off.
2: During the car switch, police caught up with the girls. So
3: his mom and Kelly. But she tells them that her name is Kelly Mitchell though, not Kelly Michelson. And then John Beeston is also caught with the women. So really all you have left are Jay Sigler and Chris Michelson, which are the two who were in
2: prison together. Yeah, so everyone who tried to bust them out are now caught. Yeah. That gives the guys who were in prison a chance to get away. So mom took one for the team. Now, the car that they were, the mom was in, it was equipped with a sawed-off shotgun. You had a combination of desperate men, little money, and a firearm. They had demonstrated a propensity to use it. That was a quote from Special Agent Lou Wilson of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement.
4: Hi guys, I'm Lux.
5: And I'm Sam.
4: And we host Killing It, the Crime Cast.
5: Every week, each of us tells the other about a crazy and interesting true crime case we've come across.
4: Some highlights include... A
5: countess who bathed in blood. A machete-wielding homophobe. Munchausen by proxy leading to matricide.
4: Murderous messages written in lipstick.
5: And a religious pastor being bludgeoned to death with an electric guitar.
4: We both love true crime, we love talking about it, and we hope you guys will enjoy listening to it.
5: So check out Killing It, the Crime Cast on whatever podcast app you damn well please.
4: Bye-bye.
3: So Sunday afternoon around 1215, because remember this happened on Saturday, a police officer spotted this Saturn that had been reported in the newspaper. So picture this, this officer is driving down the road and in his front passenger seat right next to him he's got a newspaper and on the front page of that newspaper is this article about this prison escape and it's got the tag number listed right there in the newspaper so (laughs) the officer's like oh holy crap that's the same one he was super smart because he contacted dispatchers and he said hey look I need some backup but he didn't want them to know that he was onto them until he was sure that he had enough backup that they couldn't get away. So he just kind of calmly followed them. He didn't turn on his lights or anything like that. He stayed far enough behind and tried to
2: kind of play it cool. Well, he did that until the reinforcements arrived and he was confident that he could stop them. They're about 40 miles away from the prison at this point. The officer reported that they were driving calmly as not to call attention to themselves, but they noticed that they were being followed. You can only guess what happens at this point. It's like, oh, man, we're being followed. Crap, it's the cops. At this point, the two men bump it down to fifth gear. They go about 100 miles an hour in a glorified car chase in Florida.
3: Now, the officer turned his lights on at this point. He's like, okay, we're going to do this. He turns his lights on, and... The men turned into an alley and they blew right through a stop sign which came out in the middle of a very busy intersection. Now, unfortunately, this is horrible, but at this point, they fly into this busy street not stopping. They're going, keep in mind, 100 miles per hour. They slammed into a Nissan Altima. The driver was 55-year-old Dennis Howard Palmer, and he was killed in this crash after being thrown into the back seat of the car. The two men were driving close to 100 miles per hour. Palmer was driving 40 miles per hour. So this is a lot of force. I mean, this is, this is horrific. There was an onlooker who reported that it looked as if the wind just picked them up and blew them around and spun them in the air. Like, they were airborne. This was not just oh a my bump in the road. Like, this was bad news. This was huge. Yeah.
2: At this point, the backup officers arrived on the scene. They swarmed the Saturn with guns pulled. It is a miracle that anyone survived this. And if anyone should have survived this, it should have been Dennis Palmer. Absolutely. Sigler tried to escape from the car to run, but he was too badly injured and fell to the ground. Michaelson was pinned down inside the car screaming with pain and was pulled out of the driver's side window by police poor Dennis did not deserve to die so christopher michaelson was charged with
3: first degree murder after being released from the prison just weeks earlier it was actually 10 days so he gets released 10 days before his buddy's all depressed in prison he decides he's going to go bust him out and so 10 days later this is the situation that he has put himself back in Now Jay Sigler faced murder and escape charges in addition to his original sentence. So, you know, he still had twelve years left and now he's tacking this on to the end Mm -hmm. of it. So He's gonna be in
2: there a long
3: time. Yep, he better not life. He better get cozy. So during questioning after the incident, it was the thought process originally was that the mom was the mastermind behind it, and the police had a nickname for her. They called her Ma Barker. Now, I I don't know why Barker, I, I have no idea, but they discovered through questioning later that the men actually hatched this plan months before, back in December, when they were both in prison together. So this guy, Christopher Michelson, I mean, I cannot, he clearly didn't care about his freedom that much because he's already saying, look, man, as soon as I get out, I'm going to take this huge risk knowing I'm probably going to eventually get caught and I'm going to come get you.
2: That's crazy to me. That's absolutely crazy. They knew Michelson would be released first. The two of them had talked about it. He agreed to take the plan to Sigler's mom for implementation. They stole an 18-wheeler. That is not easy.
3: Exactly. Like, how do you steal an 18 wheeler? You're at a truck stop and you just hop in while the trucker's in the bathroom. And I mean.
2: But the thing is, those 18 wheelers are not discreet. They're huge. And you've got to know how to drive it. It's not just like driving a little Toyota. The getaway car was also stolen. It was a yellow car. Yeah. You get a black car, you get you to a, a Honda
3: Civic, a, a, a silver or an Honda a Civic. Or an accord, yeah. and you go along your
2: merry way, but you don't get a yellow, like, frickin' Lamborghini. Michelson preyed upon Sandra's emotions to get her son to hatch the plan and to get her buy-in. They used mother love and mother guilt to get her. But you know what? She had to be she had to be a little bit kooky for Cocoa Puffs for her to even say, Yes, let me drive behind an 18-wheeler and get my son out of prison.
3: So ironically, Sandra was forced to testify against her son, and she said, hey, I did it because his sentence was too severe. She felt like 20 years for armed robbery was way too much, and it wasn't fair, and her son did not deserve that. She ended up taking a plea deal and her deal was she could get out of prison after 13 months if she testified against him. Now, I'm thinking what I think the thing that I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around is what was there to to testify against? He was not in jail. You know he escaped. Does that make sense he was in jail? So, so why do you even need anybody to testify on his behalf? Like you know for a fact he did it because he is physically not behind bars. <laughs>
2: You see what I'm saying? So, like... <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be here. He's not. He's in. A, he's behind an 18-wheeler on the other side of the wall. So, who's testifying? Can, like... Yeah, I, I don't you're understand You're guilty. Like, that. you're out of the prison. No, I, I, I totally get it. <laughs> My question is, now you have four walls broken by an 18-wheeler. Those poor people who are still in prison can't go out to the rec yard now
3: how pissed
2: are they it's
3: not a rec yard it's a wrecked yard (laughs) but um
2: but (laughs) it's a dad joke (laughs) so on a more yeah on a more somber note during the trial her and her son both cried so hard I would cry too
3: I mean I probably would too as a mother watching your son's life be ruined and knowing that you had a part in it I I probably would too but They reported that Jay was crying so hard he couldn't stand up. Like, he was just devastated. And she said that she was kind of in denial and didn't really think that anybody was going to go through with this until she saw the truck literally blowing through the first fence. And then she's like, well,
2: I guess we're in it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. She was in denial when the truck was stolen. She was in denial when she was following the truck. It was only when the truck hit the first wall that she said, Yep, I guess we're doing this.
3: I, I I guess so. Sandra Sigler, she had never been in trouble before. She had a good job. She owned a home. And she lost all of it. I mean, that's a doozy of a way to lose it all. She lost the house. She had to sell everything to pay for her attorney. And, um, But I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, she lost it all to pay for her attorney. Did they think it was going to go over well? Like, it's, it's not like oh, we are not sure how they got out. We're not sure how the, how the locks were unlocked. No, you drove an 18-wheeler through a wall. Like, you're going to get caught. I mean, it's, it's, the, <laughs> it's not just like a, did that person just steal that thing off the shelf? It's like, no, they went in and said, hand me that thing, I'm going to leave with it.
2: No, I get it. Like, look, I mean, I guess the, the big price lawyer was
3: so that she would get that plea dealt probably so just to lessen the sentence but it turns out that kelly who was the other car driver was Michaelson's sister and also john the guy who stole
2: the truck right john
3: yeah and john was her boyfriend so the guy who stole the 18 wheeler drove it through the wall and shot at guards was the boyfriend of michelson's sister so you've got like this whole like Family affair
2: going on, like this whole. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. How do you convince your boyfriend to one steal an eighteen wheeler for your brother's two... friend?
3: Yeah, I, I, it's, it's
2: unfathomable. So how would we do this? Like, say, my brother is in jail, and I'm dating a guy. How do I convince this guy to bust out my brother in prison? Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. So they are, they're all gonna take a major win for the team. So Sigler's defense, let's talk a little bit about how they tried to have some sort of leg to stand on in court because, again, they know it happened. He's not in prison. So Sigler's defense was that he couldn't stay in prison due to reports and allegations of physical prisoner abuse by the guards and
2: that it wasn't safe to stay there. I think there are better ways to say that. I think you write a letter to somebody. Yeah. You don't get an (laughs) 18-wheeler. That should not be your first choice.
3: So he claimed that he had also signed an affidavit against guards at the prison because of this. And it was saying that that the guards had set Michelson up... Now, Michelson is the friend after they found a shank in his bunk shortly before his scheduled release. So what they're saying here is right before Christopher Michelson was supposed to be let out, guards do this search and all of a sudden they find a shank. And Sigler, Jay Sigler, goes in and signs an affidavit saying they were just trying to set him up. They didn't want him to get out of prison, so they made the whole thing up. Now, the interesting part about it was that it didn't affect him getting released at all he was still released as planned so they're not sure if they were just conniving and that didn't you know
2: no that sounds like a red herring excuse right it sounded like they were reaching for straws for anything that they could grasp and this was something that they came up with right he also argued that he didn't know about the plan ahead of time he had just jumped in the car out of instinct
3: So Sigler's lawyer tried to argue that the escape and the accident were the same offense and therefore they couldn't be tried together. That did not hold up because they said that, you know, you can escape from prison and not be in a car a day later. You know, it happened on different days and driving and having a police chase does not have to be part of a a prison escape. So they did end up treating it as separate offenses. The thing that really screwed him over in court is that the prosecution played recorded phone calls from prison and among the calls were calls of Jay telling Christopher Michelson that I just can't take it anymore. I can't stay in here. you've got to get me out of here, get on with the plan, talk to my mom. That looks bad.
2: And it even tells you it is a recorded lie. I don't understand how you think you can get away with talking like this and it not come up against you. Jay and Christopher both received life sentences.
3: Michaelson is received life without parole. And Sigler will be eligible for parole after 15 years. Now, in this situation, the tables are turned. And the reason being is that Michelson was driving the car so he was seen as more of more responsible for Dennis Palmer's death than Sigler mm-hmm. was so he was he was the getaway car so that's why his sentence ended up being stiffer in this situation both men apologized to the family of Dennis Palmer however when apologizing they said that the prison system drove them to this and they provided this whole drawn out list of accusations such as prison abuse and stuff like that so why even apologize to the family at that point you're just making it worse i'm sorry but i had to i had no choice
2: so it doesn't that excuses don't belong in an apology palmer had left behind a wife three kids and his daughter was pregnant with their first grandchild they took away so much from this family Just because they made a poor decision.
3: Absolutely. And again, I keep coming back to this, but it's one that they had to have known wasn't going to work. That's just, you can't get away with driving a massive vehicle through a building. You just, like, people are going to see
2: it. (laughs) Out of the thousands and thousands of prison escapes, the majority of them are unsuccessful. They get caught days, hours, weeks later. Right, the, the success rate is not
3: that high. Right. And in fact, there was a statistic on that. But as we said in the last episode, all the statistics with prison escapes are very skewed. But it's a very, very low number that end up not being caught within a matter of days. So it, just, just don't do it. You know, everybody's yeah. going to be looking for you. You're going to be on a most wanted list, the FBI. I mean, it, it's just, it, just don't, you know, be, be on good behavior and try to get out that way. But I guess that's easy <laughs> yeah. for me to say as I sit here with a Spider-Man blanket wrapped around me, you know. With- now, I, I,
2: we do have to quote the prison superintendent, Joe T. Butler. He did say, I think anyone would think this was a very unusual situation. How often do you hear about a semi-truck? Crashing through your security system, not very. They often can plan. Sir. <laughs> they can do all of this high tech technology. They can think about every single prison outbreak that ever happened before. You just cannot plan for an eighteen wheeler to come crashing through right. your gate. It's going to
3: get through any defenses. Any, I mean, you you can't stop that. Now, I just want to throw this out here. How do you feel about them? ending up with a murder charge for the car accident.
2: I'm just curious. I think that people get charged with murder all the time for car accidents, especially in a DUI case or a drug mm-hmm. case. I don't see where I, this would be any different. I see it as...
3: I, I agree. There, was, there were some things on the internet about, like, oh, well, shouldn't it have been manslaughter? But they considered it premeditated because they planned to get out of prison, and evade police and that's ultimately what led to this man's death. So I just thought it was interesting that they considered it premeditated because of that. Well I
2: think I think also you gotta you gotta take in account the speed. Right. If they were going forty miles an hour and they hit him and he died, I don't think it would be murder. Right. I think that because he was going they were going a hundred miles an hour, which is considered reckless endangerment. Oh yeah, for sure. And because of that reckless endangerment, the price goes high.
3: And I can only imagine that they intentionally ran that stop sign trying to ditch the car. Oh, cops. they weren't gonna
2: stop. Right. I mean you're at a, you're being chased by the police. You're not gonna stop at a stop sign and yield to all traffic involved. Right, right. Yeah that's just not something you're gonna do. Yeah, these are not men who are worried about doing the right thing,
3: clearly. I'm not entirely sure what ended up happening to everyone else who was involved. But, um, of course, we do know that Miss Sigler did serve a little bit of time, although she did take the plea deal. So it'll be interesting to see in 2025 what happens with Jay Sigler and whether he stays behind bars or not. You know, if we still have this podcast, let's write some letters. <laughs> you bet. We're good at that. <laughs>
2: We're good at keeping people in prison. <laughs>
3: Anyway, that kind of wraps up this story. This one is a little bit shorter, but it was just so crazy that we couldn't not tell it. So I apologize that it's, you know, a little bit shorter than some of ours, but I hope you enjoyed it because, it, be yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's something, that's for sure. Now, I will say next
2: week's is longer. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> you guys, you're going to have... a field day with this one it is so much fun
3: yeah it is a fun one so we will be back in a week as always follow us on social media hop on itunes and leave us
2: a review preferably five stars but hey we'll take what we can get yes that's it you guys it's been so much fun being back in full on swing and we probably won't take another break for a while and if you haven't already go check out mugshot soon soon (laughs)
3: yeah follow the mugshot podcast that um on social media at mugshot pod since we're recording this episode in the future i want to say it'll still be july 2nd but by the time this actually comes out i don't know if that will still be the case so hop on social media so would you say that's
2: our? would you say that's our sister podcast
3: it's our it's our spin-off i don't know it's our offshoot podcast Keep in mind we do have the meet and greet in Atlanta in October. There will be more details to come, but that is still happening. We do have a venue, but we're not releasing all that yet, just until we have dates, times, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, we have the date, but times, et cetera,
2: et cetera. Oh guys, if you haven't already, stop by Murderly. And check out all of our other podcasts. They are super cool, super awesome. We love being associated with such an amazing group and talented group of individuals. They are absolutely, probably the best network for us. And they're just a perfect fit. You bet. And they really, they really are helping us uh, get our podcast out there so so we can get the world out about all of these independent pods that need and desperately have a, a great, message just get it out there and let it be heard you bet so we will be back in
3: a week with another episode of bars and stripes
2: and hopefully my voice will be back i'm still struggling with it
3: (laughs) you sound good to me but hey if anyone thinks she sounds croaky it's because she lost her voice
2: yeah screaming on roller coasters all weekend all right (laughs) awesome guys well you know what they said to felicia bye bye (laughs) You're <laughs> looking at me like you're dropping. I'm like, um, you are not
3: podcasting
2: material right now. So sorry.
3: <laughs> totally missed that. Well, let me explain to you who Jay Jiggler Jiggler. <laughs> I'm dead. I'm done. Jay Jiggler. <laughs> well, you know what? You write these things. He's just really fat. He just jiggles. <laughs> So he had robbed two Australian tourists, good God, country much? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless. Well, okay, let me ask you this. Before we go on with the story, honestly speaking, would you ever, like, bust your son out of jail? I don't know. Did he do it? I mean, assuming he did it. No, he's he he's in for armed robbery. I mean, if he totally did it and it was against the law. Okay, well, not armed not robbery it. is against the law. <laughs>
2: <laughs> probably not, but I mean, if he was a prisoner of war or another country arrested him what we're talking about. off, sure. <laughs> I'm trying to think the best. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. I mean, I'll, I'll send him like send him a our Christmas package. card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd still go visit him. I'd still love them, no matter what. Get an 18-wheeler and (laughs) bust them out. Heck no. I don't know. Those two quarters don't add up to a dollar. (laughs) Because
3: two quarters don't add
2: up. Don't add up to a dollar. At all. (laughs) No,
4: that's the point. It doesn't make sense. Hi guys, I'm Lux.
5: And I'm Sam.
4: And we host Killing It, the Crime Cast.
5: Every week, each of us tells the other about a crazy and interesting true crime case we've come across.
4: Some highlights include... A
5: countess who bathed in blood. A machete-wielding homophobe. Munchausen by proxy leading to matricide.
4: Murderous messages written in lipstick.
5: And a religious pastor being bludgeoned to death with an electric guitar.
4: We both love true crime, we love talking about it, and we hope you guys will enjoy listening to it.
5: So check out Killing It, the Crime Cast on whatever podcast app you damn well please.
4: Bye-bye.